0: You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Hi, it's Michelle. Welcome back to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. It is a grayish, fallish day here in Tennessee. I've got my tea and I am getting over a little bit of a cold. So (laughs) I am ready to be with you today, though, and I'm so glad that you could join me. Today, we're going to dive into part two of my conversation with Tammy Daughtry from Co-Parenting International. In the first part of this conversation, Tammy and I talked a little bit about the foundations of co-parenting and some helpful ways of strategizing and framing our mind around how do we parent with someone that maybe we couldn't actually do life with. In this part of the conversation, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts When I get emails from y'all, it is often, Michelle, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I am just like you. I like to have very specific tips. I like to have a checklist. And Tammy goes into some of those things in this episode. In this episode, we're gonna talk a little bit about a co-parenting meeting and communication and how an agenda and resources like co-parenting apps and things like that can be helpful. And we'll also talk about times where things don't go well, when there is disagreement, when maybe a co-parent is not healthy enough to be involved in a co-parenting relationship. Tammy gives so many specifics in this episode. I don't want you to worry about having to write them all down. I'm going to make sure that I have every resource that she mentions in the show notes so that you can just click right in there and go to whatever resource it is that you want to access. I have found so much help in the conversations that I've had with some of the parenting experts I've had on recently. For example, Christina Chismar from Focus on the Family and Tammy Daughtry here from Co-Parenting International. There are just also so many great parenting books that I have read recently. And so what I did was I distilled my top five favorite tips when I put them into a blog post. So if you head over to agapemoms.com and you click on the link for the blog, you'll see a new post that I created called Parenting Through Trauma, Five Essential Adjustments for Single Parents. And in there, I just mentioned five of my top favorite tips of things that we can do as single parents to really maximize our parenting time. Especially in situations where we're trading off custody and we may not have our kids all the time, we wanna make sure that we're kind of firing on all cylinders when our kids are with us. Now granted, that doesn't always happen, but being intentional and making our best effort does make a difference. Before I launch into the conversation with Tammy, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling on your time. You have the ability to schedule video sessions and chat freely with your counselor right through the app. And as we're talking about in this episode, it really does help to have a counselor to process different emotional things, different parenting things even, so that I can be more available for my kids. And if you go right now to getfaithful.com slash single mom, you can actually get 10% off of your first month of counseling. It truly is worth the time and the investment in yourself. So make sure that you check out Faithful Counseling. So if you listen to the first part of the conversation, you know what an incredible light Tammy is when it comes to solving some of our co-parenting problems. And I just know as we dive into this episode, you're going to receive so much encouragement. Here's the second half of my conversation with Tammy Daughtry. So when it comes to starting to establish our co-parenting team, you describe in the book five categories of Mm co-parenting. Can you help us to understand... What these types are so we can first sort of assess where are we mm-hmm. and then maybe choose
1: where we'd rather be sure well again I didn't know this information the first couple of years of co-parenting um, when I was going through it and when I found this in grad school I thought oh every parent needs to know this that there's there are options in a sense there's a menu right because we emotionally usually assume we're just always going to not get along. And we're always going to have this horrible relationship because the marriage was horrible or it ended badly. The good news is that the research that's, that's covered, um, post-divided families for years has come up with these five categories and there's a range, you know, usually we do, we start out in what they call fiery foes and angry associates. And those are, you know, it's a normal place to start. Most parents, that's. That's kind of what the divorce process leads us through, unfortunately. Sometimes we, um, we end up with attorneys who pit us against each other, mm-hmm. and then it really becomes hard to build a bridge to communicate, you know? And so that's one thing I always say, too, to, to think when you're going through the divorce itself. You know, um, try to be careful. Though you're angry and hurt, try to be careful on how you do that because you still have this active parent And for your child's sake, the good news is they, if they can have a meaningful relationship with both of you at, at some level, they're going to do better in the long run than if they only have one parent. Um, and so you're going to be angry, you're going to be hurt. And so there are names for that. And, and I, this is a free handout, I think on our website as well, but it, um, it moves from the top one is called perfect pals. And when I read this research, Michelle, I giggled because the way they define perfect pals, there are actually some divorced parents who still take vacations together. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. They might even own a business together. They spend a lot of time together. So that's a, cate- that's a category. I wouldn't say that's where we try to point people. Mm-hmm. It's pretty uncommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is what we call cooperative colleagues and The short answer to that is I, uh, parallel it to being co-CEOs of a business. You have to communicate, you have, you have a vested interest in the outcome. Um, you both, you know, if there are in the whole world, probably the two humans that love these kids the most Mm -hmm. are bio mom and dad, even if their expressions aren't healthy or their patterns of behavior that are not good there at the core I would say it's usually mom and dad who love their kids more than any other human could. And if we can get to what we call cooperative colleagues, where you're focused forward on the business of parenting, then your children can live with emotional freedom. Um, But then after that, again, is the fiery foes, the angry associates, or the dissolved duos. Now, some people might say, oh, dissolved duos. Does that mean we literally, it's only one parent, the other one's out of the picture? (laughs) A lot of people think, oh, let me sign up for that. Mm -hmm. It'd be a lot easier on me as an adult. Mm -hmm. But the other research shows us in the long run that if a child grows up with an absent parent, then they do feel um, a deep sense of abandonment. There's confusion. There's identity questions. Who do I come from? If I don't have some sense of who my parents are, I'm going to long for the missing parent and I'm going to really wonder and be confused. And so... Um, sometimes that is the case, right? Sometimes a parent either could be incarcerated or could move across country and just unhook from the family, Mm -hmm. and they're not involved. Mm -hmm. And so then the parent left as the full-time manager of these children's lives. um, We want to think about how do we help them Have healthy relationships with adults, not to replace the missing parent, but to have mentors or maybe a family member step in to help them. So the range is perfect pals, cooperative colleagues, angry associates, fiery foes, and dissolved duos. Those five categories. Fiery foes are not as active as angry associates, but fiery foes, they might be quiet for a while, but then boom, you know, third world war goes off. Mm -hmm. And when they do try to communicate, it's really toxic. And for those kids, they experience, they end up usually being the messenger back and Mm -hmm. forth because mom and dad don't communicate well. Those kids end up getting parentified, Mm -hmm. which uh, is a long, fancy counseling word for being put in a parental role um, as a third adult almost. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that was my role growing Mm up. I, I had to call and ask why the child support was late. I had to call and ask for money for cheerleading or for sports. I had to, I was always the messenger. Um, My mom didn't want to speak to my dad. So I grew up always being her, her voice to him. And that was a rough place to be. And again, had my mom known this research, I'm sure she would have done it different. But that's where parents that don't communicate at all, they usually use the kids. And that's a hard thing for kids. The next one up is the um, angry associates and their active anger. They show up at ball games or, or school functions and they're loud they're obnoxious they embarrass children they it's like the child is on high anxiety alert because mom and dad continue to prove to the child that all we do is fight mm. and that hurts kids so those kids grow up with a lot of anxiety and what i would call emotional ptsd almost you know they they are worried What are mom and dad going to do? I'm out here playing basketball on the court trying to focus, but I'm worried about what's happening up there in the stands because my parents have shown me time and time again that they don't behave properly in public. Um, Cooperative colleagues, those kids grow up with freedom. And the two key things about a cooperative colleague relationship is that they're communicating um, effectively and their interactions are moderate. So they're not around each other that much. It's a moderate interaction, but the effectiveness of their communication is high. So they're doing the work of being the parents, and so they're taking the burden off the child to be the go-between. Um, they're working together best they can to manage, you know, problems of school or um, developmental concerns. They're, they're really communicating well. And then that other one, as I said, Perfect Pals. I wouldn't say that kids that grow up with Perfect Pals will end up in counseling someday, but they will be confused. You know, if mom and dad are divided or divorced, but we're always together as a family, they're going to always be asking, so what does it mean to be married? What does it mean to not be married? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if they've both recoupled, you know, some of us have seen on Facebook, the families that go to Disneyland or they are at the soccer field and they've got T-shirts and they're like this big extended happy family. Both mom and dad have recoupled, and if all four parents can get along to the f- to the point of having mutual holidays, having those events together, hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. That that's wonderful for children. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where it's really confusing is if mom and dad aren't recoupled, but they're together all the time, mm-hmm. but they're still divorced. Mm-hmm that creates a pattern of confusion for kids on how am I going to navigate my own relationship someday? So those are the five categories. And it's not easy, but we do try to point people towards that, that high communication um, in the cooperative colleague area.
0: So when I was reading through these five in the book, I was able mm-hmm. to say, okay, this is where I'm at and realize where I want to be.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I love that you encourage the reader that you don't have to have that other parent on board to decide that you want to start to initiate changing the type of parenting relationship that you have. right? And that we actually can initiate through a series of, of steps. And you give very specific action steps of how we can actually go about initiating, changing the nature of that relationship. Can you talk about that some as far as how we might go about initiating that sort of change?
1: Sure. Well, I would say to potentially to try to invite the other parent into the conversation. Um, The thing I like about having a book or a handout is it's not one parent telling the other parent how it has to be, but maybe sharing insightful information right from a third party. And so um, I would try to approach it in a way that expresses to the other parent that their input is important, that um, they're valuable to the children, you know, to actually say that out loud or put it in an email. Um, maybe say, hey, I've, I've picked up this book and I'm reading about how our interactions as parents, um, you know, we really have an important job to do and you're an important part of this. And I just want to ask you if you might be willing to either uh, listen to an audio book or, or read this book, because, you know, what I do tell parents all of parenting, even in a traditional intact family, parenting is a process. So you're always trying to stay ahead of where your children are growing, right? None of us come out of the womb with a perfect plan on how to be the perfect parent, even if you're happily married to somebody you love, like, and love. And so parenting's hard. And when you're divided, it's extra hard and it's extra hard to be on the same page. And so sometimes, you know, either sending an email with a link to the website or a or one of those PDFs attached, hey, I, I was looking this up online, I thought it might be helpful, I really would value your input if you could take a few minutes and read through it, tell me what you think. And I think the five categories handout, um, it's a great starting point because both parties can look at it and the, the second page of the handout kind of asks that question of where do you think you are? Where do you think your co-parent would say you are? And what do you want for your children? and usually co-parents, even if they read through it and they're like, oh, we are definitely down here in this category. We, we don't get along. We're argumentative. When they start to see the page two, where it shows the correlation between the type of co-parenting and how it impacts children. I've never met any parent who says, oh, I want to give my kids anxiety. Mm -hmm. Oh, I really want to hurt my children. They, they want to hurt their ex, right? Mm-hmm. Every, quite often people are pretty focused on making life difficult for the other adult. But nobody wants their children uh, to feel that. And so I would try to, to bring it back to... You know, if we could do this together, if we could try something a little different so that our children will have the best of both of us, so that our children and and always using that phrase our, not my kid or, you know, because that all by itself, that one word can set people in defensive posture against each other if they're talking about the children and the mom says, well, my kids, blah, 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 blah the dad is automatically going to be defensive because those are his kids too. Right. And so trying to think about the words we use and the little ways that we can invite the other person in. Now, like you said, Michelle, sometimes they're just adamant that they won't read it. They don't want to hear about it. But having a, a co-parent mindset mm-hmm. that you know that the relationship they have with their other parent is important that the children's understanding of your attitude towards the other parent is important, even if you have to fake it. Mm. (laughs) Um, You know, having that mindset that we're in it together, even if that other party is difficult. You know, one of the hard things, I know a lot of moms will say, you know, what do I say when when our child says, well, daddy doesn't like you. Mm. Why doesn't daddy like you? I would say we probably all hear that at some point. And it's not an easy question to answer. And a lot of times parents will go into a long story about all kinds of details that kids don't need to know. And I always try to say, if you can give a response short and positive and, and coming back to, well, honey, your dad is a great dad for you. I know your daddy loves you trying to stay focused on a positive attribute about him. You know, maybe one of the things I talk about is um, how words matter and, and trying to say some positive things about the other parent to the children, trying to deflect and, and if they're just relentless, but, but why doesn't he like you, Mom? Why is he so mad at you? you know then i would say well those are questions i can't answer mm-hmm. you know you may want to ask your dad mm-hmm. but here's what i know your dad loves you mm-hmm. i am so thankful your dad is in your life and i am always going to support your relationship with your dad because that takes you to the to the perspective you know from the child's lens you're not adding to the burden you're you're trying to let them know hey you you still can have a loving relationship with them and it's so hard to not react in those moments because You know, they may say something um, horrible that's not true. Well, if something's not true, sometimes you do have to address that. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there's a a young girl I've been working with that um, has very different stories on why her parents are divorced. Mm -hmm. You know, one parent has told her way too much but twisted the truth. And as she's become a young teenager, she's pretty angry about, about some of that information. And so I would usually never encourage parents to tell their children the true why on why you're divorced because kids don't need to know all that Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes if if one of the parents chooses to put a piece of information on the table that is vastly incorrect and sets the other parent up to be the bad guy then coming back to that and having a conversation as positive as you can not firing back but just addressing and giving some context to it, I think it is important. Because kids always tell parents, you know, communicating is important. Handoffs are critical to do a good job. And the other thing that, and I don't even think I put this in the book, Michelle, but is what's your story on why you're divorced? Hmm. And if parents can come up with a neutral story that's the same or the push-off of, you know, when you're older, we'll talk about it. We're not going to talk about it now. Well, when is older, Mom? Well, older is probably when you're in college. Mm-hmm. Mom, really? Why? I need to know. Well, no, you know, being the parent that knows in your head, no, they don't need to know all this. It's not going to help them because sometimes, you know, hopefully as things get uh, further down the line, those questions aren't going to be so adamant because kids are going to observe patterns of behavior. Mm-hmm. Kids are going to make their own assessment of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And they won't have the same question when they're in college as they do when they're little. But there is this driving c- curiosity in kids. Right. You know, They do want to know. Right. And so it's an important conversation to have with your co-parent if possible. Um, and a lot of times the families that I work with, they literally will just come up with two sentences that are neutral and that are in agreement. And they'll do their very best to stick to that until the children are adults
0: especially if you can get it to where it matches on both sides is so critical because they often will start to fill in where they have missing pieces of information. Hmm. They'll fill it in and start to assume some responsibility on themselves. I could have done something better. I, if only I had done this, if only I had this. And so I think it's important to, like you say, have a way to address it, but it may not be all the nitty gritty details because that only heightens The anxiety, I think a lot of times if it's like, well, what if I mess up, you know, Mm. or, you know, that
1: sort of thing. Well, and you hit a good point there, Michelle. A lot of kids will assume it's their fault because the thing that they always hear their parents argue about is them, right? Because, I mean, they may argue about other loose ends from a divorce, but most of the time, you know, the bio parents communicate over topics related to the children. And so children have this um, strange way of internalizing it and blaming themselves. And a lot of times as parents, we don't even know they're thinking that. So it is important as best as you can to communicate, you know, nothing about the divorce had to do with you. It was never your fault. Your dad loves you. I love you. When there's a new step parent in the picture, you know, Oh, your stepmom loves you. Your stepdad loves you. You have so many adults that love you and the what didn't work as mom and dad was between mom and dad it it did not have anything to do with something you caused you couldn't have fixed it it's you know those are adult issues and when you're older you'll understand more but if they come home and they're asking you hard questions about the other household um one of the things you want to try to do is talk about the pattern of behavior and not point fingers at the other parent Mm -hmm. or the other Mm -hmm. step-parent. And that can be really tricky, but best as you can, try to, you know, and and asking kids questions. I was just going to
0: say, I find oftentimes we want to answer questions so much, and they see a lot. And if you just ask them the probing questions and mm -hmm. what do you think and what what do you you feel and those kinds of things, they often can unravel enough of what the answer they're looking for is that you don't have to be so direct to just answer questions. Yeah.
1: And remember that you, you don't have to fix it, you know, and, and there's going to be times that things are unanswerable mm-hmm. and there are going to be things about being from a divided family um, that are going to be hard.
0: I love that you have such an emphasis on the fact that this is one heart with two homes mm-hmm. and that, as we're stewarding that child's heart, that if we understand that that heart belongs in two places often, Mm -hmm. not every situation, but very often that this, if we're stewarding this child's heart, and as we said before, with keeping with the team focus of what is in the child's best interest, it helps with navigating those really bumpy spots in Mm. co-parenting. So as far as taking the initiative and having, you have a series of suggestions as far as emails and phone calls and ways to sort of bring about the conversation to how do we co-parent how do we want to do this and then lead up to potentially actually meeting in person and having regular meetings with our Mm co-parent so that we're not addressing these things at handoff but that there's sort of like a conference time that these things are often addressed whether that's in person or on the phone exactly what are some effective ways to manage that kind of communication and what sort of topics then get addressed in those sort of meetings?
1: Sure well the first thing I would always remind anyone of is if you're going to be around your co-parent think about your facial expression your body language and your tone of voice um, you know, taking your very best self to those meetings or phone calls. Um, one thing I know, we, we would talk by phone sometimes after Angel was in bed, but that was usually late at night. And those are sometimes not the best time mm-hmm. to try to have a co-parent conference call because, you know, you may both be tired. It's been a long day. You've got other things on your mind. So um, what we got in the rhythm of doing was meeting during one of her um, – on a Saturday, she was in dance class. And so that was a regular weekly activity. And when she was young, we met maybe once a quarter, um, or every other month at a McDonald's, like two blocks from where she was in dance. And mm-hmm. she had a two hour window. She was there. And so we would plan ahead of time, you know, to see what Saturday would work. And we would rotate it back and forth where, you know, sometimes it was on my Saturday, sometimes it was on his Saturday, but we would meet there and we'd bring our day timers. And usually the topics, um, and I have a sample agenda on, on our website too, that, um, It goes through this, but when she was young, most topics had to do with school, with um, maybe behavior, academics, and then as she became a teenager, oh boy, you know, we were dealing with social media, with Facebook, when is she going to get to drive, Uh, when does she get to date? so many of those things, Mm -hmm. you know, and she was always pushing the envelope. I mean, when she was six, she wanted Facebook and some of her friends in first and second grade had a Facebook. I was like, what? So thankfully her dad and I agreed, no, honey, you don't get that until you're 13. And, you know, but those were the, a lot of those topics sometimes were requests she'd made of us or things that we knew were coming up. And, you know, scheduling, usually we did a lot of the scheduling by email. Um, if we had to change the calendar due to work, uh, travel, or unexpected trips, you know, related to our families. But I tell you, one, one of the things I didn't know then that I wish I had had in my tool belt was a co-parent app. You know, there are a couple different apps out there, and I would encourage parents to look at Our Family Wizard um, you can use a code, the word co-parent, and you can use it free for 30 days to see if, it, if it's a good fit for your family. Um, the other one is AppClose, appclose.com. It's free, and you can put all kinds of things in there, calendar, you can exchange receipts, you can, um, if you've got you know, doctor appointments or different things where you need to update each other on information, what I love about that idea is it keeps it all in one place. You're not trying to go back through old text messages to see, Oh wait, when are we going to meet on next Friday? Or did we agree to exchange that Tuesday for Thursday? It all puts it in, you know, puts it all in one spot. And so as a counselor, I recommend those apps to parents um, just to help minimize the misfires um, and make room for better communication. So, but back to your question on the topics, discipline, discipline, uh, school related and schedule and sometimes finances you know if she was um, wanting to do some extracurricular activities or things that involved schedule that we would both have to agree to to make sure it would work then that would be the time and place we'd sit down and say well what do you think and I can tell you one of the most positive ways to open a conversation is to ask your co-parent these four words that I think when we're not together as a couple, we stop asking. And it's simply the the question, what do you think? Hmm. What do you think? Even if we've got our mind made up on something, you know, bringing up ideas or asking for their input, it's a way to build a bridge. Um, because I think sometimes parents, especially when one has full full custody and the other one technically doesn't have any decision making, a lot of times we stop asking for their input, right? And And that's, common and sometimes their input isn't helpful or sometimes it's very very uh, it's drastically um, negative or um, they try to undermine or tear down our value system they don't want you know they just want to work against us just to make it hard so sometimes you have to have one parent calling the shots but if it's ever possible to ask the other party for input and to actually consider it I think that that can build the bridge towards good co-parenting and a lot of times you have to agree to disagree Um, and we got to that place a few times where whether it was an extracurricular activity or something that we had to agree to disagree but we still informed each other of how we were going to manage those decisions so that um, it wasn't it didn't create landmines for our daughter now I will say too there were times we just hit the wall and didn't, didn't agree or got frustrated. We both at least once or twice got angry and hung up on each other, mm-hmm. you know, so we, we didn't have perfect communication. Um, uh, but I used that language about the five co-parenting, uh, categories. I shared that with him years ago. And one of the times that it started to go so- sideways, I said, John, we have been working so hard at being cooperative colleagues for so many years. I don't want us to, to let this one thing that we, yes, we drastically disagree, but I don't want this one thing to wipe out the history and completely destroy the future. Let's figure out how to get through this and respectfully disagree with each other. And thankfully we got there.
0: I think having these tools as well, these structures, agendas, apps, all of mm-hmm. this sort of thing really do help to put it into sort of a business kind of a mentality That's really what cooperative colleagues are. Yes. Are these two people with a vested interest in the same thing, but that it sort of helps us to get into the mindset of let's take the emotional part out of this. There's still going to be some, Mm -hmm. but that it's, so organized and structured even to have start and end times it's like you could argue endlessly but if the meeting is only two hours because she's getting out of dance class yeah
1: we gotta done. go <laughs>
0: yeah well so. and
1: we would actually do that i'm glad you mentioned that michelle we would set a a, a clear boundary ahead of time as to what to expect we're going to meet for 60 minutes or we're only going to meet for 90 minutes because sometimes as she got older we were meeting, you know, at times that she wasn't necessarily in an activity like that. So we would clearly set that boundary, you know, we'll meet here at this time for 90 minutes. And when I'll be honest, when her dad got remarried, I invited the stepmom to those meetings because I felt like she's another adult in our, our daughter's life. The last thing I'd want for her to do is to feel like she is on the outside. And I know some bio moms might be hearing this going, is she crazy? Like, I don't want to include the stepmom. Mm-hmm. But again, going back to what is your child going to experience? One of the most powerful, positive things for a kid is that if if either parent recouples, if their bio parent can actually give them the freedom to like and love that new step parent, it is so powerful because I work with kids in our practice and I can't tell you how many times Their biggest cry is, I just want my parents to get along. And a lot of times, it's the new step-parent that they're just, you know, I've got this little girl that for years, uh, you know, I just want my mom and stepmom to be friends. I don't know why they hate each other. It it makes me hurt. I mean, it makes her sad. So thinking about how do our patterns of behavior affect our kids as bio-parents, and then when one or both recouple, it's really tricky, and it'll trigger us. But if we can do our very best to try to give our child the freedom to like and love that other parent and to tell them instead of the old storyline of, oh, she's not your mom. You don't have to listen to her. Yeah, she says she's your stepmom, but you don't have to listen. Boy, that think about that. If we're telling our children you know most time in in school you have to listen to an authority most adults you have to listen to but if we're telling them intentionally oh you don't have to listen to her we're setting our child up to struggle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's a really unhealthy pattern for them.
0: Well, and then that's something that can come around on us, that if we're teaching them to intentionally disrespect certain authority figures at certain times based on how
1: you feel, right. that can absolutely come back in our direction too. Yeah. And we, you know, as as women, I think women struggle with this more than men. Men are, I think, a little better at compartmentalizing their emotion. Now, I'm not saying that every dad... You know, that every bio dad is really excited when there's a stepdad. That's hard, too. You know, it's hard for for any bio parent to know that there's another adult spending time with your children when you're not there. Um, You know, if your kids say they they like them and they love them, that can trigger our insecurity Mm -hmm. as a parent. But I tell you, um, for children, there is no step parent that will ever replace the relationship they have with their bio parent. It's, it just won't happen. At the core of their heart, they like and love and know they're created by these two people, mom and dad. And so we can be we can be secure in that. Um, and then when I remarried years later, you know Jay, I call him Mr. Wonderful, um, he came to McDonald's with us, you know mm-hmm. so there were times it was all four of us eventually at those McDonald's meetings. Wow, so wow, wow. Um, it, 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 and we didn't always agree. I want to break in here and share with you about Agape Moms' new
0: resource series called the Healing After Heartbreak series. As we're talking about in this conversation, oftentimes we're having to deal with extremely difficult issues around heartbreak and loneliness right in front of our kids, and that can be whether a relationship ended from a divorce or a death. However it is that you became a single mom, it's not easy to go through these things, especially in front of your children. And so I've developed resources to help you do that. The first step is the seven loneliness traps. That's a free guide that you can download today at agapemoms.com slash free. And you can learn about seven traps that keep us feeling lonely and sad and held back in our lives. You can first discover what those loneliness traps are that are holding you back, and then also the seven ways out of them. While you're there downloading that free guide, you can also have a look at the eight lesson Bible study and the video course that go along with the healing after heartbreak series. God sees you and he has a tremendous future ahead for you. So to have a look at all of these resources and get that free copy of the seven loneliness traps, head over to agapemoms.com slash free. Now, some listening will identify with that dissolved duos category, that there are some times where That other parent physically is not in the picture Mm -hmm. or it's not healthy to have this sort of structured co-parenting relationship with them. Right. And I like that your book, as I've said before, just addresses times and situations that are not ideal and can't fit this model or can, but not with that person. It may be that this co-parenting team at these meetings are happening with grandparents. It may be that it's happening with other parental role model figures Mm -hmm. that are in our maybe church families or those types of things. Absolutely. So as far as these types of situations, and we're adjusting our plans accordingly, can you describe, you know, a time when we can know for sure that maybe that's Maybe this kind of relationship is not something that we should be embarking on with the other co parent if that person is in the picture, but maybe is not healthy.
1: Sure. Well, that's a tough one to answer across the board on a podcast for right. every family because, you know, some patterns of behavior, um, though they're not healthy by a parent, they could still be navigated maybe with supervised visits. Um, you know, I always try to encourage parents, no matter how hard it is, if you can still allow your child to have some level of contact, if that other party's willing, um, you know, I know here in the, in our area, there's a place called the Kamari house that works with families that are really complicated, but they provide a safe place for a child to still spend time with a parent who maybe, um, has, has done some pretty, Um, undesirable things um, that have even put a child at risk safety wise Um, but if a parent's trying to to gain back um, a healthy interaction I would say if you know for a parent listening if you're concerned about your child's physical emotional or sexual safety when they're not with you I would consult a local play therapist or a family counselor to try to get some tools, because sometimes what we assess out of our, maybe our anger or our expectations of how things should be, um, sometimes we're not seeing the whole picture, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I would never want um, a child to lose contact with their other parent if it wasn't absolutely needed because of the long long-term impact of that for the child. But like you said, there are some cases where children are not safe with their other parent. And so um, trying to figure out how do we navigate that without casting more blame and more pain on the child? How do we talk about the missing parent who's not around? You know, what, what things can be said that are true? and possibly positive, or if there is literally nothing there that we can clearly identify as positive, I would say a child, you know, maybe who's been offended or, or mistreated, um, emotionally, physically, or sexually by a bio parent, that child's going to need some counseling and support. Um, I really believe in, in that. And I know that sometimes parents feel like, oh, I can't afford that. You know, I tell you, there are so many resources out there, especially for single parents. There's always a solution. I would go to a guidance counselor at the school and say, hey, I've got these concerns. Can you point me towards a professional that can help me assess the situation so I know do I need to take some steps to remove parenting time or to minimize parenting time? I wouldn't make that decision in a, you know, all alone. I would seek professional support for that.
0: I think the point in your book, too, as well, and as you're talking about getting that third party help, I think it's so important that we do everything that we can before we cut that other party out of our kids' lives, because the research that I'm aware of does show that having some level of involvement, even if it is supervised visits or that type of thing, often does still benefit the children. Mm -hmm. And I also like, though, that you address the fact that if it's not possible, your kids are not doomed, that there are awesome mentors and programs and all sorts of things that kids can still grow up being healthy and adjusted and happy, yes. even if that is not a possibility
1: Absolutely. for them to have that other
0: parent involved in their lives.
1: Well, and in the, in the book, the last section is called Be Brave, and it's actually a story about Dr. John Trent, who's a national leading expert on marriage and family in America. He's written, gosh, a dozen books or more. He's the at one time was the head of the moody bible institute for marriage and family he's just a rock star when it comes to healthy family and he's championed that in in america for years well we actually got his permission uh to tell his story in the book and then on our video series the one heart two homes he tells it there himself And the bottom line is, Michelle, that he grew up without a dad in his life. Dad walked out when he was a little, little guy, and he didn't meet him until John, Dr. Uh, John Trent, was in his 50s. And it's interesting because he was literally raised by a single mom. She never remarried. She always, um, um, John says she always talked to, to him about God's plan for a lifelong marriage, though she couldn't be an example of it. Mm-hmm. She made it a point to to highlight that for him, she truly believed he would have a lifelong relationship and that a, mar- a marriage would be for a lifetime. But the second thing, Michelle, that's mind blowing is that she never spoke negative about his missing father. She always told him the good stuff. Mm -hmm. And you you would see on our video, if you ever watch it, where he says, you know, mom, he went back to his mom, you know, after he met his dad, he's like, why, why weren't you more honest? You only told us the good stuff Mm -hmm. about our dad. Because John says, you know, he met him uh, when John was 50 or so. His dad was a chain smoking alcoholic. He'd been unfaithful to his mom. John didn't know any of that. The things she had told him were about his um, military service and different awards he'd gotten. I believe he had been an athlete. She highlighted the really positive things about this, this absent father because as she said to John, John, when you look in the mirror growing up, I knew you'd see two sets of jeans looking back at you. You know, innately, you knew you were from both of us. And I wanted you to know the best things about your father so that you could believe the best things about yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the one of the most powerful examples of great co-parenting and a mindset about co-parenting, even when dad wasn't there. And in his case, he didn't even witness a remarriage to base his future marriage on.
0: Right, which I think a lot of us single moms kind of worry about as well. If they've only seen a bad relationship... I got to get another man in the house so they can see a good one. Right. (laughs) Right. And,
1: and if that comes true, wonderful.
0: Right. But But we shouldn't make that the idol of like the only way our kids are ever going to see what healthy relationships look like. Mm Exactly.
1: And, and so, you know, being it's the day to day stability of the parent they're with the other relationships they observe. Maybe there are grandparents in the family who have a great marriage or aunts and uncles being intentional to expose our kids to that Mm -hmm. is, is wonderful. And, Um, And I just love the hope in John's story. And I think we
0: have to keep that in mind always that our kids need that, whether or not they're in a one parent or two parent home anyway, they're not always going to absorb the truth just because it came from their mom or their dad, that they need other healthy adult role models of both genders in order to have a full picture because chances are they're not wired exactly like one or both of the parents. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so for myself, though, I've taken that really seriously that I read books about masculinity and what are the struggles that a boy becoming a man goes through and Mm. identity issues because they are not the same as what girls experience. And making sure that I am intentional about having healthy male role models grandfather, great-grandfather, mm. men from church, those types yeah. of things, and then scouts. Oh, and that's yeah. something research shows, not just in your book, but in another book that I read, that these types of things in place for a parent who may be going it alone, or even if you are co-parenting, like it's still great to to mm-hmm. put this community around your kids Absolutely. and that we don't need to just focus on the fact that like this thing is missing or this thing doesn't look the way that I wanted it to. We keep building that network around our kids yes. so that they have just such a great assortment of role models Absolutely. that they're pulling from to discover who they are and who God made them to be that they walk into the future with that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Amen. Tammy, we
0: have just covered so much ground in this conversation, and I am I'm super encouraged. Like I'm mm. I just I know I've I've already felt really connected to the material that you have, but I just this gives me even just so much more hope as we're sitting here talking mm. together. Thank you. I wanted to know if as we part, there's one more piece of advice, one more thing that you think every single mom mm. should know. What would it be?
1: Remember that you are whole and you are loved and you are a daughter of the king. You are not defined by your relationships. You're not defined by marriage. You're not defined by divorce. You're not defined by step family. You're not defined by being a parent. You're not defined by the job you do or the car you drive or the house you live in. You are a whole loved daughter of the king who created you on purpose for purpose. And it, there is no mistake that the children that God has given you to raise, whether you you birthed them, adopted them, however they came into your pathway, that God has great plans that are specific. And there's joy in that, to know that you don't have to know it all, and you can make mistakes. God doesn't see you for your mistakes. He sees you as a whole daughter that he loves, that he just wants to, to shower with his um, joy. He wants to surprise you along the way with great things. And he will be right there to hold you and to keep you together when you feel like you're, you're unraveling and falling Mm -hmm. apart. And I think, you know, I can remember sitting at my kitchen table when I was single, I would have my Bible out. And um, (laughs) if if you're watching from through a window, you might've thought I had, you know, was crazy, but I would pretend that the Lord was sitting there at the head of the table Mm -hmm. and I would talk to him. You know, the Bible says he's our husband and I would say, okay, I don't get it. I don't get this, God. How is this going to work? Whether it was my business that I was building or any other thing, I would sit in dialogue with the Lord like that. And sometimes I got pretty frustrated, you know, and, Mm -hmm. but I just, that was a sweet season of, of really allowing him to be my husband. Um, And to not, though I I certainly long to to be loved again, and I had hoped maybe one day to to remarry, but I can remember telling the Lord, if you want me to stay single, I will be single and I will trust you with it because I I want nothing other than what you want for me. Mm -hmm. And if there is a reason to stay, you know, that pathway, I will. I am more than willing, hands open, palms up. I'm gonna, you know, stay here and wait on you and trust you for that. And um, so I would say, just remember you are whole and you are loved and that love is not conditional and it's not based on getting it right. It's based on on what God through Christ did for us Mm -hmm. all in. And with that, we can have courage and strength and we can walk in wholeness.
0: Oh, I feel so, I'm getting chills. Like, <laughs> I feel so built up by that. Thank you so much. Tammy, tell us about your resources and how we can connect with you, what you're doing, and in Co-Parenting International.
1: Sure. Uh, well, the website is coparentinginternational.com. And we have, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there is the book, Co-Parenting Works, Helping Your Children Thrive After Divorce. Um, it's available through us, through Amazon. There's an audio book. There's a digital uh, for the folks that use Kindle or whatever, the eBooks, um, those are all available. Um, and then we created in 2014, we launched one heart, two homes, which is a digital resource. And it's basically 10 video classes with 33 different people. There are kids, there are uh, other specialists and professionals, and you can see more about that at our website, but it's available. Um, through DVDs, um, we actually still make DVDs. I know that sounds crazy. Uh, some people use them, but um, and then online, you can go. Um, if you come to our website, it'll tell you how to how to uh, look that up. But you can actually preview that material for free for two months. Um, so if you come to our website at co you can find how to, um, click through and see some of the samples of our resource. But, um, and there's a video called the 10 things kids, a divorce, wish they could tell their mom or dad, mm-hmm. and that's on there. Um, and again, those free handouts, but you can also send me a message on there and say, Hey, Tammy, I can't find the handouts. Can you send them to me? Or, um, you know, we do coaching in, in Nashville I have a counseling center but across the country and even globally um, through today's, you know, digital platforms, we can do coaching sessions. So if anybody wanted to schedule that, I'm happy to work with people one-on-one and you can find me again, coparentinginternational.com. You know, as I was sitting
0: across from Tammy, having this conversation, I was just in awe of how much wisdom that this woman carries. And it's easy sometimes to feel a little intimidated. Like, wow, I don't think I'm ever gonna do it as well as she's done it. But then I remember, Tammy has had a lot of ups and downs and opportunities to learn, and she has just walked every step of the way with God and allowed the Lord to open her eyes to what she needed to do to make the best decisions for her daughter. And I know that as we walk into parenting situations with our kids and dealing with some struggles of co-parenting, that if we're always just asking the Lord, Lord, show me what to do. Show me what you want. Show me what's good for my kids. He is faithful to give us the answers that we need. These kids belong to him. He loves them even more than we could. And he's going to help us to get through the challenges of raising them in these maybe less than ideal circumstances to help them find their way in life. As I mentioned before, all of the resources that Tammy mentions are going to be in the show notes. Additionally, if you have other questions, feel free to reach out to me via agapemoms.com and you can go on the contact page there. Or you can follow along on Facebook and Instagram at agapemoms and we can chat it up there. As I've said before, I am so thankful for... Your reviews on the podcast it helps me to know what it is that is encouraging you where I can get better what kind of topics you would like to make sure that I'm addressing here but it also is something that I have heard from other women that when they read those comments that they know wow this might be a place where I belong so I don't know if it's all that fallish where you are right now but from a very gray and cozy Tennessee I just want to say thank you so much for joining me and I look forward to having you with me next time.